Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin, the show where I invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. Today I am chatting with Marie. She is the host of, or the owner of Feed Your Family, and basically it's a dinner plan, um, meal plan, prep type thing, and she also gives you a great insight to some of the things that you can do beforehand, which my mind is blown, you'll see in this podcast episode of something that she suggested doing that I never would have thought about doing before. So this one is all about food, so grab your favorite snack or listen to it while you're preparing dinner and get ready to start listening. Happy March! Today marks the very first episode um, of 31 Days of Women um, Empowerment, Women History, Women Getting Things Done, Women's Issues. That's right, every single solitary day in March, I'm going to be bringing you a podcast episode or a Facebook Live episode where you can um, listen in or you can tune in and watch. There are going to be varying times. A new episode for the podcast will drop every day at 8 a.m. So be there for that. I hope you enjoy some of the content that I have going. Um, I will try to start off each podcast episode with a enlightened quote. Today it's a little bit different because today the very first episode is all about meal planning. And you know, first of all, meal planning... <laughs> Number one question we all get, even if we are single parents, single single people, is what's for dinner? What do I want for dinner? What what looks appealing to me? So I actually just had that conversation today with a friend. So we're going to be chatting with Marie. She's actually was on fa- uh, Facebook Live already, but so this is a pre-recorded episode from back in February. But I thought it would be great to kick off Women's Empowerment Month with this. Um, and so I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I have a lot of great episodes coming on, a lot of fun episodes, a lot of hard-hitting episodes as well. So I hope you just tune in and listen, and this is just a brief intro to what it's going to be like. So enjoy. Welcome back to another edition of Chats from the Blog Cabin. Today I am joined with joined by Marie, who probably will answer the number one question that most moms and most people get is what's for dinner? But before we get into that, Marie, tell us a little about yourself. <laughs> sure, sure. I'm Marie Seabock and I'm the founder of FeedYourFamilyTonight.com. I am on a mission to help busy families plan and execute weeknight dinner, even when life is crazy. I am the married mom of four teenagers. My twins are 13. I have a 16-year-old daughter and an 18-year-old son. And I have lived with food allergies. I have lived with picky eaters. I have lived with busy schedules. And I have a lot of tricks to help busy families with weeknight dinner. I live in Wichita, Kansas. 
I am a Midwestern mom, and I am just so happy to be here today with you, Melissa. So why did you decide to, why are you so passionate about helping find, feed your family, basically, and help people figure out what's for dinner? You know, it started in 2017 when my twins were playing competitive soccer, and I would be sitting on the sidelines. Everything was happening at dinner time. We had practice at five o'clock at night, and we'd have games at five or six or seven, and I'd be sitting on the sidelines talking to the other moms, and they would say, we're going to hit the drive through eat dinner, get the homework done, get the kids in the tub, and get them to bed. And I was doing all of that except for hitting the drive through And they started asking me how I did that, how I avoided the drive through And that became the beginnings of my three-step process for weeknight dinner success. What I had to do was I had to think about what I was doing naturally, and I had to break it down into teeny tiny steps so that I could teach it to everyone. And the thing about Feed Your Family tonight is I want dinner to work in your home. So I don't have pre-done meal plans because those don't work. You're going to make one or two things, or you're going to have to adjust 12 things, or you're going to have a recipe that takes an hour and a half on a day when you've only got 15 minutes to get dinner on the table. I teach you how to plan and execute dinner so that it works with your life and your schedule and your family. Yeah, because a lot of the pre-prepped food plans has something in there that one person in your family is not going to like. So you're like, well, there goes that idea. Or you may have something, ooh, that one ingredient, ooh, there's peas in there. I'm not eating it because there's peas because I particularly do not care for peas. There you go. And everybody has things that they prefer. The other thing is every family has flavor profiles that they prefer. I have a, I have four teenagers and they're not going to touch enchiladas with a 10 foot pole, but they will happily eat Lebanese stuffed grape leaves. No one in my family is Lebanese, but it's a flavor that my children have learned to love. And so it's about making dinner work in your home because one size fits all just doesn't work. And the thing is, we're so busy from day to day and often our schedules aren't the same. I wish I could say that we sat down at 5.30 and ate dinner as a family every night, but it doesn't happen in reality, at least in my home. And so I teach you how to adjust your schedules, to adjust what you're cooking so that you can be successful at home. So what do you suggest for those moms that are on the go? Well, obviously right now during COVID, there's not moms on the go. But what do you suggest for those moms on the go? Because, I mean, I honestly understand about the competitive soccer because I had two, my two oldest daughters did competitive soccer. And I was like, what are we going to have for meals? You know, obviously I was guest. Sometimes we did hit the drive through Sometimes we didn't. It just depends on whether it was a home game or an away game. But, yes. You know, and honestly, it's COVID, but my kids are on the go, even if they're doing virtual things. We are getting busier and busier. But my three-step process, I use a term from the 1980s. I am a child of the 80s, and I don't know if you remember those cheesy public service announcements, those PSAs that were commercials that were there to teach you morals. And I have a public service announcement for weeknight dinner, and it starts with P, which is plan and prep. And I have a download for your listeners. If they go to feedyourfamilytonight.com slash blog cabin, they can get a free copy of my weekly meal planning sheet that outlines this three-step process. But I'm going to talk about it now so that you kind of get an idea and then go get that free download so that you can use it in your home. With the P, 
we start by listing our activities. And most of the time in my house, I just list my afternoon activities because my mornings are kind of the same. But what's happening between 3 p.m. and 8 p.m. in my home is changing day to day. So I list my activities. If you are working, you might take into account what your work schedule is like that day. If you've got a day where you've got meetings back to back to back and you're going to be toast at the end of the day, you need to write that in the activities. Once you list your activities, then you're going to do the S steps, which is set a dinner bell. And the dinner bell is the target time that you are going to try and eat dinner. And again, that may change. I can dig into that a little bit deeper, but let me give you the overview now. Okay. Dinner bell. And then you plan your meals around your activities and your time that you're going to eat. So let me give you an example. If you have a day where you've got piano 345 to 445, soccer from five until six, and you've got to be back at a school for a PTO meeting at seven, you need something in the oven or the slow cooker that you can pull out and eat at 615 the second you get home from soccer practice. But then a couple days later, you might have 20 or 30 minutes where you can stand at the stove and physically cook a stir fry right before you eat. So plan and prep, set a dinner bell, plan your meals around what those activities and the time you're going to eat is like. And then this is where the magic happens, Melissa. It's in the A. And the A is always have a backup because everyone's going to have a time where the wheels fall off. And what I consider a backup meal is anything that you can get on the table in 20 minutes or less with ingredients that you have in your house all the time. A lot of people do breakfast for dinner. So they keep a box of pancake mix and a dozen eggs and they can get on that in the table in 20 minutes. I do bean and cheese quesadillas a lot. I keep a bag of tortillas in my freezer. I keep a bag of frozen shredded cheddar cheese, just the pre-shredded stuff. I just put it in the freezer, pull it out anytime I want. And I keep a can of refried beans, throw that with a bag of frozen vegetables or some cut up fruit, 20 minutes or less. It's the same amount of time it takes to go through the drive-thru but you get dinner on the table at home. I absolutely love that. So I, that was just bringing me up to two questions. One is what particular gadget should you have? Cause you talked about the slow cooker. Cause honestly, that's my best friend, my Instapot and my slow cooker. Cause there are days like when I'm in the blog cabin and I know I have back-to-back -back interviews or back-to-back -back meetings, I'm like, I can put dinner on in the morning and I don't have to worry about it. So by the time my husband comes home from work, dinner's done. I, I'm not stressing over what's for dinner because you're less likely to go get takeout if you know you've got a plan. Well, and that's it. Um, with the slow cooker, this is where kind of another P that I didn't talk about when I talked about plan and prep is if you write the prep on the day you need to do it rather than the day of the meal. So let's say you're going to have a slow cooker meal on Tuesday. On Monday night, you're going to write prep the slow cooker and you're gonna get everything in the slow cooker insert and you're gonna have it in your refrigerator so that on Tuesday morning, all you have to do is take that insert out, put it in your slow cooker and turn it on. A slow cooker is a gadget that is super handy and you don't have to have an expensive one. A $30 slow cooker will take care of you. That's, I seriously, I am a pro cook and I have a $30 slow cooker from Amazon. I, I like my Instant Pot, it's not for everyone. I, I feel like if you are trying to make things from frozen a lot or you're not good at thawing meat, which that little prep piece will make you better at thawing meat because you can thaw your meat a couple of days ahead of time. 
But if you're not good at that and you're trying to make things from frozen, an Instapot can be a total savior. My favorite gadget is my chef's knife. If you are wanting to be faster in the kitchen, sharp knives and a few key knife skills will be one of the best things that you can do to be a faster cook, to be a more efficient cook. So I am a self-professed knife snob and I believe in that's one place where I spend extra money, but you can get a decent Victorinox knife for like 30 bucks. They, it, you don't have to have the $125 Henkel's Professional S knives that I have to have a good sharp knife, but get yourself a sharpener and please use it. Or take your knives, if you have a Surla Taub or a Williams Sonoma in your town, they will sharpen a knife for free. If you take in more than one knife, it's only five bucks. So take care of your knives, get some knives and use them. <laughs> and it's the best kitchen gadget that I will have everybody get. You actually did one up me on this slow cooker because I had never thought about doing it the night before and put it in there. I had blown my mind. You just changed my world. Well, I never so about that. Oh, Melissa, that's going to change your life. If you can get your slow cooker stuff prepped. Now, the one thing is potatoes turn brown. So I usually have my potatoes soaking in a separate thing of water, or I just quickly chop those up before I put them in. So the potato is the one thing that'll catch you, but you can do it um, at the night before, have it in that insert in your refrigerator, and then just put it into your slow cooker. Another little slow cooker tip that I've learned from my friends at Thriving Home is that most people are over cooking their slow cooker food. And you want to have the best quality slow cooker food you need much less time than you think so an eight hour put it in the morning and have it ready at five o'clock at night most recipes isn't the best but that's the blessing of our little covid times is most of us have someone in the house that's home a little bit more frequently mm -hmm. so you can put it in at lunchtime rather than later in the day and you're going to end up with a much better slow cooker product Wow. I mean, that just blew my mind. That's going to change my whole world. Prepping it the night before changed my whole world. I mean, man, I never thought about that. Oh, Melissa. Yes, yes, yes. And prep is so important. It's one of the foundational things of Feed Your Family tonight is if you can take 10 minutes when you're doing your dinner dishes to get ready for the next day, you are going to be so much more successful. I write on my meal plan the prep that I need to do on the day I need to do it, not the day that we're eating that recipe. So I'm gonna I ha, I'm gonna write thaw chicken breast, or I'm gonna write thaw beef, which I actually have in my prep for today because we're having tater tot casserole tomorrow. And or if I'm having a roast beef on Sunday, I'm gonna write thaw. Or sometimes I want to chop up some extra veggies, so all I have to do is toss them in. Anything that you can do, and I like to do it when I clean up my dishes because my kitchen's already a mess. That way, I'm only cleaning my kitchen once not twice so i can do just a little bit of prep my cutting board's already out and then i just clean it all up in one fell swoop and i am successful the next day wow and now you were talking about having the backup meals yes. so what do you suggest having in your pantry as staples so that you have those backup meals well here's the thing is it's going to be according to the flavors that your family likes in my house, I have pasta, 
I have canned tomatoes. I usually have a jar of kind of pre-made marinara sauce because that can be really handy. I often have frozen meatballs that we can pull out and I can put that with a jar of marinara sauce and a box of pasta. Some families have different flavors. So you might have frozen pot stickers or you might have a bag of Trader Joe's Mandarin orange chicken. I didn't say it has to be totally homemade. I just said that you have to have it in your house ready to go. So mm -hmm. I want you to think about the kind of flavors. What kind of flavors do you guys like to eat, Melissa? A lot of it's Hispanic Mexican because my husband's a native of Mexico. So we obviously taquitos, frozen taquitos are uh, definitely we have a box. So whenever we don't feel like cooking, they're there. Eggs for sure with tortillas because of um, huevos rancheros and um yes. Taquitos, like no, not taquitos. What is it? Forget what they're called now, but he makes them all the time. So with eggs, like a, even mm -hmm. like a breakfast burrito or something. So you mm -hmm. probably keep tortillas on hand. You probably keep cheese on hand. Maybe some mm -hmm. salsas that, mm -hmm. that your family likes, or if you like the homemade salsa, you can make it ahead and freeze it. Or if you keep a nice jar of salsa, but anything that you can get on the table fast. But I don't want you to do what my family does. I yeah. want you to do what works in your home. Another big one in my house is we keep, I keep chicken meat and chicken broth in my freezer. And I can put that with a box of noodles and have chicken noodle soup on the table in about 15 minutes. And what I like to do is I'll roast three chickens at a time. Now I am feeding six and a teenage boy. Mm -hmm. And we will eat most of that first chicken that night that we're eating chicken. But then I will take all of the meat off the bones of my chicken and I will put it in meal size zip top bags for my family, have that in the freezer. I'll take all those bones and I'll put them in my slow cooker with an onion and a carrot and a little bit of spices and cover it with water and put my slow cooker on keep warm, not even look, just keep warm. And I will let it just barely bubble for 24 hours until I'm cleaning up dinner the next night. And then I strain out all those bones and I always have chicken broth. I always have cooked chicken meat in my freezer for quick and easy meals. Wow. So why do you think meal planning is so hard for some people though? Why do you think so? Because I mean, that's like people are like, oh, I don't even, I don't even want to think about it. I don't even want to go to the grocery store. Well, you know, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of reservations. One of the big ones is people feel like they get in a rut. And they feel like they're doing the same things over and over again. And so when you go to meal plan, it's hard to be creative and think of new things. Um, the best way to avoid that is to get a master meal planning sheet where you list all of the meals that you make, either by protein or if you're vegetarian or vegan, list them by the type of cuisine, like maybe pasta or beans or however you kind of categorize your meals. And then when you kind of get in a rut, you go look at your sheet and say, oh my gosh, we haven't had red beans and rice in six months. Let's pull that one out. But that's one of the reasons people get frustrated with meal planning. Another reason they get frustrated with meal planning is our lives are so busy. And you have to figure out when you're going to eat before you can figure out what you're going to eat. You cannot plan to cook something that takes 30 minutes of hands-on cooking time on a day where you're running kids from place to place to place. Mm -hmm. And that's where that feed your family tonight system of looking at your activities first sets you up for success. And I've had so many people just have their minds blown that you start with your life first and you plan your meals around your life 
so often we say, oh, I want to have enchiladas and I want to have lasagna and I want to have spaghetti and, I, and they list all the meals that they want to have and they just say, we'll have this Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then they, they forget. Oh, Tuesday, we've got an orthodontist appointment at 445 and then we have to be somewhere at 530 and I'm going to be running. And on Saturday, we're going to be, it's going to be really nice outside and I know I'm going to be working outside all day and I'm not going to have the energy to come in and fix dinner. I need something fast and easy. So when you plan your meals around the way that your life really is, you will be so much more successful. Do you do that, Melissa? Uh, not really. I kind of stink a little bit about uh, the meal planning. There's some weeks I do really great at it. And then there's some like this week, I'm like, I know what we're having. And then there's some weeks I'm like, no, I don't, I don't even want to think about dinner time. You well, know? you know, I'm like that too. And the only reason why I consistently do my meal plans every week is because I post them on my Instagram every Monday and I post them in the Feed Your Family Tonight Facebook group. And my followers keep me accountable because there are plenty of weeks where it'll be Monday. I was like, I don't really want a meal plan, but I am accountable to my followers. And here's the thing is, if you, if you miss a week, just pick back up and try again the next week. Life is not about perfection. We're about making things happen for real families in real time. So when you miss a week, mm -hmm. meh, but next week, give it a try. Or if you get really overwhelmed, plan three days. You don't have to plan the whole week. Yeah. Plan three days and you'll be thankful. And that'll build that habit because meal planning is a habit. And habits take time and it becomes muscle memory after you do it over and over again. I mean, I've been doing this consistently publicly since 2017, but I was doing it for years before. I, I have that meal plan sheet, but honestly, I would take any scrap of paper and I would just write Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and I would just start writing it down on, on any scrap of paper. And the weeks that I took the time to do that went so much better. Now, do you take input from your kids about, okay, I'm doing meal planning. Do you, what do you guys want this week? I do. And sometimes they get what they want and sometimes they don't. <laughs> it just, it really depends. But yes, I do. I'll say, hey, I'll ask my husband too. Hey, they all know I meal plan on Monday. Is there anything that you want or is there anything that you don't want? And oftentimes they'll say, I just don't want to have tacos this week or I don't want to. And so I'll, I'll try my best to accommodate, but again, I'm the one in charge of the schedule. I'm the one looking at where things will fit and where things won't and different types of meals fit in different types of days. And so I decide where they go. And here's another little thing. And I want your listeners to know this. It's really important. I plan every week and probably at least once a week, my plan changes in some way. I may have to go to a backup meal. Just a few weeks ago, I was wanting to make chicken piccata, and my son said, that just does not sound good. Can you make chicken parmesan instead? And I said, no, because I didn't have any shredded cheese. And then I went downstairs to make dinner, and I saw that I had a block of mozzarella cheese in my refrigerator. And I thought, okay, I can pivot from making chicken piccata to making chicken parmesan. And that gets into my concept of base ingredients. This is one way that you will be so much more successful in adding variety to your meals because that is a big struggle for a lot of people is adding variety. 
Let me talk to you about base ingredients, Melissa. Go for it. Okay, base ingredients are the types of flavors that your family likes. For my house, I keep a lot of Italian flavors. I keep a few Asian flavors. I, to take chicken piccata, which is chicken that is breaded, pan fried with a lemon and caper sauce and turn it into chicken Parmesan. The chicken is breaded and pan fried. And I put a jar of marinara sauce and some mozzarella cheese on top of it. I didn't change, but just one or two little ingredients, I still had the same base of the breaded chicken. When you go to add variety, especially for your picky family, I encourage you to either change the base ingredients or change the flavors, but do not do both or you will set yourself up for failure. So let me give you an example. Let's say you want to try some Indian flavors and you want to try adding some curry to your family. I do not recommend if your family is a meat and potatoes kind of family to go and make a vegetarian garbanzo bean curry, which is delicious by the way, but you can't go from meat and potatoes to vegetarian garbanzo bean curry. But you could go to a chicken curry that has tomato sauce in it and you change up the spices because how is that different from a chicken spaghetti with the chicken and the tomato sauce that they're already used to? So think about changing either the main ingredients or changing the flavors, but don't change them both. Another example is if your family was used to, uh, let's say an Italian chicken cacciatore that has chicken and a tomato sauce, and you want to move them to a vegetarian, they keep the same tomato sauce and the same flavors and add garbanzo beans as the protein rather than the chicken. So you see how I didn't take my family all the way to a vegetarian dish with new flavors. I either changed the flavors or I change the ingredients. And that is how you begin to add mm. variety to your family meals. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Did I blow your mind? Again, blow my mind. I'm still going back to the slow cooker the night before. That's still like, and that's going to make my life so much easier because I'm always like, oh, I've got to get it on so it's on. But then I'm like, just drop it in in that morning. Yes. Prep, prep, prep. It is. And it, again, it takes you 10 minutes, but if you do it the night before, you're giving yourself so much brain space. And that's the other thing with meal planning is as parents, we make thousands of little decisions every day. And by taking all of the meal planning decisions and putting them into 10 to 15 minutes at the beginning of the week, what you are doing is you are getting all those little things that are twirling in your head out and onto paper and then you don't have to think about them again. And you have brain space to focus on other things. My children will say, what's for dinner? And I'll say, look at my Instagram, because I honestly don't know. I have it so set up in my with my prep that I have everything ready. If I can't get dinner on the table in 45 minutes of me personally cooking right before dinner, then I have it listed on prep for the day before and I have it taken care of because I don't want to think about what we're having for dinner all the time. How many times have you been sitting during the day and you have that dinner dread knowing that you've got to think of something to make at five o'clock at night and you've got chicken breasts in the refrigerator and you're just like, I don't know what I want to make. Nothing sounds good. I've got chicken breast. And then you go to your phone and you scroll and you write chicken breast recipes 
and you scroll for 30 minutes looking for chicken breast recipes and the first one has mushrooms and your family doesn't like mushrooms the second one needed to marinate for 24 hours so you're already past that and you keep scrolling through your phone looking for a chicken breast recipe and after 30 minutes you're like i guess i'm gonna make what i always make with chicken breast and you feel defeated and you've wasted 30 minutes of your time by taking all those little decisions and putting them at the beginning of the week you free your mind from that burden and you don't know how much you're spending thinking about dinner until you don't have to think about it anymore. And it's really free. Now you said you make your um, list on Monday. Why not Sunday? Honestly, because that's what works with my family. I, um, most of my life have been a work from home mom, sometimes a, just a stay at home mom who wasn't working. And I, on Sunday nights for years, my husband and I go through our calendar, we get ready for the week, we write down everything that's happening, you know, when we're running kids to and from places and all the different things. And on Monday mornings, I would get my kids off to school and I had a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. I usually do two grocery shopping trips a week, one at the beginning of the week and one at the end of the week to get some more fresh fruit and vegetables. And I usually often will buy a fresh fish at the end of the week. And so I usually have enough vegetables to get me through Sunday and then Monday hits and there's nothing in the refrigerator. There's no vegetables, there's no fruit, it's time for milk. And so Mondays have been what works for my family. But if you do better planning on Saturday or Sunday, plan on Saturday or Sunday. It doesn't matter what day you plan. You can plan on Wednesday for all I care. And Wednesdays is kind of fun because that's when the grocery ads come out. So if you're someone who's really trying to penny pitch, pinch and you're planning around the grocery circulars, which totally right there, I um, then then Wednesday may be the day that you meal plan. It, it's again, that's the beauty of Feed Your Family Tonight is it's making it work in your home. Now, what how has COVID do you think affected? Because a lot of the restaurants have closed down, so more people are turning now to having to feed you know they're not able to go out well some restaurants are opening back up in certain parts of, of the country um but now they're having to feed their family at home do you think that has the resurgence of trying new recipes or meal planning has helped i i definitely see that the other thing i see and i had a podcast i host the feed your family tonight podcast and i had a podcast on the emotional burden of feeding your family and what happened with COVID is families that often got some of their meals from different places, maybe their kids were getting hot lunch and maybe their husband was eating lunch at work, or maybe they were hitting takeout one or two nights a week, all of a sudden had three meals a day at home with their family all the time. And they started feeling the burden of how heavy it was to really completely feed their family from home. And with that though people have learned that they can and that it's really good for their budget and you have to start learning little tricks to give yourself shortcuts so one little trick that i do is on days when i don't want to cook i pull something pre-made and frozen out of the freezer our favorite is trader joe's pot stickers and i will pull out two bags of pot stickers and make a salad and call it dinner and that way i'm not cooking I'm just reheating. When you are feeding your family every meal from home, you have to find a way to give yourself a break. Cook once, eat twice. One of my 
foundational principles. If you are making something and you can double it and freeze it, do it because it takes you all of five minutes more to double it. And then you have one in the freezer for a day where you don't feel like cooking. And I will often plan for those meals on days that I know I'm busy or days like today where I plan something really simple because I had meetings back to back to back to back. And then I had this podcast interview and then I have a bunch of work tasks that have to get done before tomorrow. I know I'm having a busy day today. So we're having slow cooker chicken tortilla soup. <laughs> and it's something that I can make and I don't have to worry about it. Everybody can kind of eat when they need to, especially when I've got kids that are coming from activities, eating in shifts. But when you are feeding your family constantly from home, you've got to find ways to plan breaks because otherwise it's really heavy and it's really hard. So give yourself some breaks too. Yeah, you brought up a great point. Eating in shifts, you've got to find something that, because you can't all the time sit down and eat as a family because everybody's going all different places. So it, let's talk about really, that. Okay, it's a really common thing. I tell you, I tell the story of my friend Shannon. We talked about that set a dinner bell, which is the target time that you're going to eat. My friend Shannon's dinner bell was at 10 in the morning. And you're thinking, <laughs> why is her dinner bell at 10 in the morning? Let me tell you. Her husband is a dentist and two or three nights a week, he stays late so that patients can come in after they're done with work. She had a daughter who was a competitive dancer and she was at dance class from 4.30 to 9 p.m. A son who played football and football was from 3.30 to 6.30 p.m. and another son that did a different sport every season. And so there was not a physical time when they were all home. So what she did, and she had the luxury of not working outside of the home, but she would get her kids off to school. She would go to the gym and she would come home and fix dinner. And she would put everything in glass containers with the name of the person, whatever portion size. I mean, her football player had his giant. And then she, you know, she had her portion. Everybody had their portions. And whenever they were home, they would pull that container out. They would cook it in the microwave. But she did something else, which she always tried to have someone sitting with them so no one had to eat alone. So you still are building that connection around the family dinner table, because in the end, all of this work that we're doing is about creating connection with our families, creating a safe place for our children that they know is stable and consistent. And when you do that, your children learn to rely on that. And every now and then they'll bring to you a tender topic at the dinner table. Mm -hmm. And you'll sit down and you'll talk with them. And that would not happen if you did not create the habit and the safe place of the family dinner table. So with shifts, you can do what Shannon does, where you cook it in the morning and everybody eats whenever they eat. Or you can do what I'm doing today, where I've got a tortilla soup that can sit in the slow cooker for three hours and people just pull out dinner whenever they're here. The other thing is when you're setting that dinner bell and you've got people that are eating in shifts, you can, I usually have my dinner bell for when the first person has to eat. That's when dinner has to be ready and everybody else kind of eats later. Or I'll have dinner when we're, most of us are going to be eating and someone has a late plate. So depending upon your situation, you can have the dinner bell when everybody's eating and someone has a late plate or when the first person's eating and then everybody else eats later. Cool. There's another thing that you were talking about too, when you were talking about cooking more so you have extra but what about when you make a meal and then you know you're going to have leftovers and making it like a different meal like you were talking about like 
Like for instance, we had chili one day. Well, we knew we were going to have leftovers. So instead of making having chili, because nobody really wants to eat leftovers, we kind of made nachos out of the chili the following, you know, the, a couple of days later we had nachos. So talk about that. Oh my gosh. It's one of my biggest techniques, especially for people that are empty nesters. I will tell them to cook one or two proteins at the beginning of the week and repurpose it throughout the week. Um, so you can, in the summer, I do this. It's kind of winter now, but in the summer, I will cook an entire grill full of chicken breast. And the first day we're having grilled chicken breast. The second day I'm putting it into a chicken Caesar salad. And then my kids will have chicken quesadillas for lunch. And I have this chicken meat that I turn into different things throughout the day. If you're vegetarian, you can do it with a pot of beans. You can make a giant pot of pinto beans or garbanzo beans, and you can eat it warm with cornbread the first day. And then you can have it mashed into a burrito the second day. And then you can turn it into a soup the third day. And so repurposing food is one of the greatest ways to add variety. And it's also one of those ways to give yourself kind of those planned breaks where you're not having to cook the whole meal. Part of it's done. One of my favorite meals is cheeseburger baked potatoes, where you take hamburger and onions. I've got the recipe up on my website at feedyourfamilytonight.com. And I put them on top of either potatoes or sweet potatoes with, with pickles and sometimes bacon. And I like mustard on mine and my, some kids like ketchup. So I will make a giant batch of that hamburger mixture that has hamburgers and onions and salt and pepper. And I will freeze it in meal-sized portions for my family so that all I have to do is bake some potatoes and reheat a bag of pre-cooked hamburger. That is a great thing. The other thing with pre-cooked hamburger is you can put it in chili and you can put it in hamburger soup and you can put it in cheeseburger baked potatoes and you can turn it into taco meat. So if you think about seasoning foods very simply so that you can add other flavors later, roast chicken is one of my go-tos. And I can turn that into chicken tacos and I can turn it to a chicken and rice casserole. I could put it in enchiladas if my family would eat an enchilada, which they don't, but your family might. And, <laughs> and you can repurpose simple proteins a hundred different ways to give yourself a little bit of a break when you're cooking. What about those families that are on a budget? Oh, yeah. Here's the thing is, um, I talk about if, if you make New Year's resolutions, New, Year, New Year's resolutions usually deal with one of three things. They usually deal with something with your health, something with your budget, or something with organization. When you meal plan, you are going to hit all three of those things. When you eat from home, you naturally eat more vegetables and you eat less sodium and you eat smaller portions. There are studies that have proven that. So when you, you're going to eat healthier, your budget will go down because you don't have to plan for all the possibilities of meals you may want to make. You're only buying the food that you need for that week with recipes that you plan and your food does not languish in your refrigerator to die. How many of you have a cabbage sitting at the back of your refrigerator that you bought thinking that you were right? <laughs> Melissa's raising her hand because, and so when you only buy the food for the meals that you plan, you are going to save money and your organization is better because you have done the planning. So if you are on a budget, meal planning is a key way to decrease your grocery spending, but still maximizing the quality of the food that you're eating. I have a friend, Steph Jenkins, when she was 
first married, she and her husband ate whole foods, mostly organic, on $25 a week. If you are on a budget, you can do it. Now, I am not that type in my house, but if you have to be, you can be. And meal planning is crucial to keeping your grocery budget lower. Wow. You have really dropped so much information and knowledge. I mean, it's amazing. So tell us why, again, you, you decided to get involved and start sharing your knowledge. You know, it's, it's about helping busy families connect at the dinner table. In the end, I want people to eat from home as much as possible because I think it's good for them. But my whole driving force is to create stronger families. And that family dinner table is so important for creating stability and connection with your loved ones. If you have children still in the home, it is key for creating a rhythm and a stability for them, a safe place for them to come. Now, I will tell you that 99% of the time, it's keep your elbows off the table, chew with your mouth closed, you know, let's have some manners, use a fork. It is not a cocktail party. You are not allowed to stand and eat. I mean, but we still have this habit and this habit creates stability and the stability creates a place where connection can happen. In the end, Feed Your Family Tonight is about creating stronger families. And I do it with food because that's what I'm good at. I love food. That's what people ask me about. It's my God-given talent. And I am happy to share it with others because I want them to have stronger connections with their family. So tell me what's on your meal plan for this week. Oh, I just made my meal plan today. Tonight we are having chicken tortilla soup because life is busy. Tomorrow we're having a uh, tater top casserole, which is one of my son's favorites. And Wednesday happens to be my birthday. And I oh, happy like birthday. Oh, thank you. I don't like to cook on my birthday. So we're having Trader Joe's pot stickers. Thursday is dinner at my parents' house. I am really blessed that my parents live a half a mile from me. And my sister lives about 10 minutes from here. And both of our families come and eat dinner at my parents once a week. So Thursday is family dinner. Friday, I'm going to have a baked whitefish with a Romesco sauce. And Saturday, I planned something simple. I can't remember what it was. And Sunday is um, Super Bowl Sunday. And I am going to have all of the snacks. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday is appetizer galore, right? <laughs> yes, it's all of the snacks. Snacky Sunday, maybe with some chili in there so we get some protein. So what's your favorite, now you brought me to Super Bowl, so what's your favorite go-to Super Bowl snack? My favorite is my bacon-wrapped apricots. Melissa, if you like bacon, these are amazing. They're dried apricots that I put a sage leaf on and then wrap with half of a piece of bacon and bake, and you get this sweet, salty, chewy, crispy, it hits all of the flavor notes, the recipes at feedyourfamilytonight.com, just put bacon in the search bar and you'll get to my bacon wrapped apricots. That is my hands down favorite. But this year I have a new recipe that I created and it is so good. It is these roast beef and cheddar pinwheels. And it's puff pastry that has a mixture of cream cheese and horseradish and then some deli 
roast beef and cheddar cheese that are rolled up and then sliced into pinwheels. If you like horseradish, it's just the perfect, like, I love roast beef and horseradish. And some people don't. So you can skip the horseradish and just do the roast beef and cheddar. But, oh, my goodness. And you get this flaky puff pastry. And you get this gooey cheese. And then you get the cheese kind of crisps a little bit, too. And then you get that kind of tiny little bite of horseradish that gets you back in your jaw. Oh, they're so good. <laughs> You're going to be hungry right now. <laughs> I know. I could talk food all day. <laughs> so tell people where they can find you at. Sure. I'm at feedyourfamilytonight.com. And if you want to join my Facebook group, just look Feed Your Family Tonight. Instagram, I'm at Marie Feebach. It's M-A-R-I-E-F as in Fox, I-E, B as in boy, A-C-H. So look for me there. But I'm happy to connect with you. And don't forget, get your free meal planning sheet, which is at feedyourfamilytonight.com slash blog cabin. It's a total free download and it will walk you through my three-step process for weeknight dinner success. Marie, I want to thank you so much for being on the blog cabin and for sharing that, that your tips, most of all, for opening my eyes to prepping the night before never would have thought about that. I mean, it's so simple and so easy, but never would have thought about doing that the night before. So mind blown. <laughs> Oh, Melissa, the pleasure is mine. And isn't that how life is? It's the tiny little tweaks that make our life easier. It doesn't have to be life shattering. It doesn't have to be any big endeavor. Small little things can make our lives so much better. Sure. So once again, Marie, I want to thank you for being on Chats from the Block Cabin. Oh, the pleasure is mine, Melissa. Thank you. All right, guys, we will see you on the next chat from the Block Cabin. Bye. Y'all, I really enjoyed chatting with Marie. Um, it was awesome. That whole idea about prepping stuff for, in your slow cooker the night before you go to put it on, mind-blown, mind-changing. I actually did that for the very first week after the interview when I, I had to do slow cook, and it was so much easier that I could just grab something out of the refrigerator. It was already covered. Stick it in the... Um, I use the Instapot. Stick it in my Instapot, and it's ready to go for dinner. So, and I didn't have to worry about it that any prep that day. And then the next one, as you're cleaning up, that's when you worry about prep. <coughs> she also got me thinking about meal planning. So I tried to, during the week, the week, next week, try to think about what I have in my freezer so that I can go ahead and clear out my freezer because I'm about to get another shipment of Bravo steaks soon. So I want to thank you guys for being part of the podcast family. Um, please leave a rating and review. It helps a lot. And you know what I need you to do? I need you to start chatting with each other.